0: You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Fachi. Karis Levert, people don't realize how good he really is. Levert, skies high for the jam. Connell pushing again, gets underneath, finds Sabonis for the dunk and the ball. Runner rejected by Jackson, that's what he does best. Brogdon for three. Boom, oh, baby! <laughs> Duarte for three. Shot. Warren lets it fly. Yes! TJ Warren is
1: not human. Hey Pacer Nation, what's going on? Welcome back. To another episode of Setting the Pace, I'm your host Alex Golden and joining me as he does every
2: week, it's the one and
1: only Michael J. Fachi Fachi. What's going on, man?
2: Hey Alex, always excited to talk to Pacers. I wish we had some uh, bigger moves to uh, report today, but we do we do still have some smaller moves. Yeah, so the
1: Pacers did get a couple guys in today to sign some contracts, as well as yesterday when Chris Duarte signed his rookie contract. But can you inform the people today of what was done with the Pacers in terms of contract signings?
2: Sure thing. So let's just say Kawhi Leonard is not coming, but we did happen to bring in Dwayne Washington Jr. on a two-way deal. (laughs) I know, you know, maybe uh, set the bar a little. uh,
1: Drastic drop-off.
2: Drastic drop-off. But we also have Kiefer Sykes on an Exhibit 10 deal Fresh off of hitting the game winner for a million dollars in the TBT tournament on uh, Bayheim's Army. He inks a deal with the Pacers, so he'll have an opportunity to, you know, compete for a roster spot and maybe even uh, in the G League as well. And then Terry Taylor, he's getting a training camp deal. So, you know, not really some huge names here. Dwayne Washington Jr., I, w- I would say, uh, the biggest name of the group being on that two-way deal, former Ohio State Buckeye guy who went undrafted, but I do still think has some potential here. And then in uh, former Pacer news, Brian Bowen is going to be playing with uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves Summer League.
1: Yeah, shout out to Brian Bowen. I know he was never, a big, uh, I was never a big fan of his here with the Pacers, but always want to see guys that are in blue and gold do well elsewhere. Interesting reporting coming out from, I believe, Scott Agnes, talking about Goga Batadze. He will be out for personal reasons. I think he went into a little bit of that on the Fieldhouse Files. Uh, article there. So Goga will be out for some, some time. I'm not sure if he will play in the Summer League or not, but we do know that once the trade is official, Isaiah Jackson will be joining the Indiana Pacers Summer League roster. One of the most interesting things I've ever seen, Isaiah Jackson was able to get introduced to the Pacers media in a press conference, even though he was not officially on the team. The NBA said That deal can't be made official till the following week, but we'll go ahead and allow you guys to introduce him without breaking any violations. I just found that very fascinating. I don't think I've ever seen that before,
2: Fudge. NBA makes it so confusing Uh, between players wearing, you know, the wrong draft hats on draft night, even though we know where they're going. And then stuff like that of being able to introduce him, but then not make it official anywhere else. No one else can speak about it. If you talk to Pacers media, I mean, it becomes a little weird and, and a little bit of a blurred line. But I am very happy that Isaiah Jackson will be joining Summer League because I know people had that initial reaction when the Summer League roster was thrown out. There it was like, where's Isaiah Jackson? Like, why isn't he playing against it? Guys, can't be made official until August 6th. That is, you know, when you're listening to it, probably, you know, the same day we are recording on August 5th. So uh, excited to see Isaiah Jackson out there. I, I just fear, not that I fear, but I feel like we're going to see him looking really good and get way too excited because I don't imagine him having a role on this Pacers team anytime soon.
1: Yeah, I don't really care about his role this year. I'm just excited to see him play in summer league and get a feel for what he can do. And and, and maybe look at some of these guys here, Terry Taylor and Kiefer Sykes and, you know, With that Exhibit 10 contract, that can be converted into a two-way contract. I also believe that it can help maintain those G League rights. They can sign bonuses for it. So if Keeper Sykes is a guy the Pacers really like, they could put him in the G League for a little bit and, and see what he does. And quite frankly, we don't know what they're going to do with Amita Brima. He is on that other two-way contract. They still have not signed Cassius Stanley to a second two-way contract, but he is on that Summer League roster as well. So I think they're keeping their options open. But August 7th is the deadline for the contract option on Keelan Martin. So they can waive him by August 7th. That would open another open up another roster spot for this team, and we could figure out what they're going to do with it. But I don't really know what to expect. I could see them maybe keeping Keelan Martin and trying to still trade off Jeremy Lamb's contract. But either way, they're going to have to probably make a minor move just to stay under the tax.
2: I think so. And it seems like the Pacers, you know, given how they dealt with Jalen LaCue's contract, of, you know, also goes back to even dumping TJ Leaf to save some money to then take on Jalen LeCue, to then have to stretch his deal just to stay below that tax, to open up a roster spot, to sign O'Shea Brissett. I mean, there was a lot of steps. The Pacers are not going to pay the tax if they don't feel that they have a championship-winning team. I mean, they're not one to pay it, period. So I do think they'll they'll make a move to, to make sure they're below the tax. Keelan Martin, if you told me maybe in April – uh yeah Keelan martin think he's on the team next year i said probably not mm-hmm. he actually played really well uh in that may stretch i mean really you know, a 25 point game against cleveland he had uh, a run of uh, five straight games in double figures to end the season so he really showed that i think he deserves a spot in the nba where that will be i don't know but it's it feels 50 50 if they're gonna pick that option up alex
1: yeah, I feel I feel the same way. It just depends on if they value him or not. I think they could value him because he is a local guy, played at Butler. Fans really liked him, but he is a 13th, 14th, 15th man on any NBA roster. That's no knock on him. He's just not a guy that you're going to put in the rotation every single night. But when he is called upon, I think he can provide a need there on occasion, just not a consistent role. But maybe that's just being a little bit harsh of a critic of his game, but I just feel like from what I've seen in the last couple of years, I, I'm not really buying into him as a rotational player on a good playoff team. So I think, uh, speaking of players that are good rotational players on good, on good playoff teams, is Tori Craig. And he is in Indianapolis. Posted an Instagram story taking a picture of the electronic billboard that had his Welcome to Indy, Tori Craig, on it. And I thought it was cool. They had him photoshopped in a Pacers jersey. They did that last week as well for Duarte and Isaiah Jackson. They said, let's welcome in our two guys. So now they're doing it for Tori Craig, and Craig seems to like it. So,
2: yeah, that makes you a little bit more excited about him being a member of this team. I'm very excited for him to join the team. I mean, this is a guy that, look, say what you want. He's got NBA Finals experience. I know he wasn't playing a massive role in the NBA Finals, but he is coming off of playing in the Finals, and that is worth something. I mean, he's already a good 3-and-D player, but just that experience, I think it can trickle down a little bit. Is this – us adding Chris Paul and his NBA Finals experience from this year? No, it's not. But it still helps to have those guys that have been there, have been around a professional, you know, hey, we're here to win it all type environment. I know Justin Holiday was one of those guys on the 2015 um, Golden State Warriors team, but he really was not playing much, and it was earlier in his career. I think Torrey Craig was actually getting some minutes. So I, I like to add that. And when the Pacers said they wanted to add a veteran did I really think that Tory Craig was what they were looking for? No, I didn't. But this is someone that can at least contribute to this team.
1: Yeah, we'll see what he does. I'm excited. I'm excited for him to get an opportunity. I think he's a better defender than people realize. Yep. He was really good in Denver, and I talked about it, I believe, when we first started this podcast as maybe going out and getting him and, like, just a minor move, you know, almost like the Justin Holiday signing the next year. I was all in on Tory Craig, and then I just kind of, thought, man, I got to quit living this dream. And now, look, he's finally here as a Pacer. So um, not a guy that you really expect to change things that drastically, but I think he can be a guy that comes in right away, can play the small ball four. Some can play a little bit of two and three. So he's very interchangeable in that position. So I like him. And then speaking of former Indiana Pacers, Victor Oladipo signs with Miami on a veteran minimum for $2.6 million. Fauci even though Oladipo really broke the hearts of Pacer fans by making it publicly known that he did not want to be here and they offered him a very nice contract. It it hurts to me just to see a guy not be able to, you know,
2: stay healthy and maximize his talent and his contract opportunities. No doubt about it. You are not going to hear me just trashing Oladipo. I'm sorry that it's come to this because This is a guy that at one point really did have the Pacers fan base in the palm of his hand. I mean, we love this man. If things were going well, I mean, when it looked like the Pacers could have been heading towards a rebuild, he changed everything in a year. I mean, he really did. And it's sad to see him really miss out on that next big payday. I know he had visions of being a star and inking a a very big deal. And unfortunately injuries have, have, really derailed that. And once you sign a minimum contract, it is hard to get out of that, that minimum or that low range, but he wanted to be in Miami all this time. It it feels like if there's a spot that he's going to go, you know, go to for this year, it feels like, Hey, that's at least a competitive team that he can kind of ease back into being who he is rather than trying to be the guy on a team where it's just not going to work. So, hey, is he going to be able to up his value? I really don't know, but I wouldn't wish negative, negatively upon anyone who's been a Pacer that's contributed and given us our all. It's just rough that he turned down multiple offers, paying him over $20 million a year. The Pacers really dodged a bullet on a really big deal, and then Houston was offering, I want to say it was like two years, 43 or $44 million last year.
1: Yeah, well, they got 27 games of Kelly Olynyk, and then he left them for the Detroit Pistons. So really out of that deal for James Harden, they just got a bunch of draft picks and no players in return. So really, really missed the mark there for Houston, in my opinion. But, you know, Miami, they get Oladipo on a minimum deal. They made some nice moves as well, adding P.J. Tucker, Markeith Morris, re-signing Duncan Robinson. We've talked about it before. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the Eastern Conference, even though they got some older guys. I know they brought in Kyle Lowry as well be a sign and trade. So yes, they brought in some older guys. The average age for most of their starters is going to be in that probably like 30 to 33 range. So I mean, they're a little bit older, but they're going to be good. And if Oladipo can get healthy by playoff time or a little bit before that, I think he could really contribute as a guy off the bench. I just hate to see that his career has come to that. And like we mentioned on the last podcast, George Hill, a former Pacer, has officially gone to the Milwaukee Bucks today. That deal was official as well. So Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Jay Michael's article discussing the Pacers more than likely going to be done. He highlighted that Brogdon will be the more likely one to be traded um, out of all the starting five, and then he mentioned that Miles Turner might be heading to the bench rather than ba- um, breaking the double big up. So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about that.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, everybody. So we plan on having J. Michael on next
1: week at some point on the podcast, but we wanted to discuss his article today as part of one of our segments. And two things that really stood out to me here was Brogdon is more likely to go than Miles, and then Turner might be going to the bench. I want to read a couple quotes here from his article. It says, the Pacers, however, aren't in any rush to Unload Miles Turner or Malcolm Brogdon, the two most discussed possibilities league-wide. Turner is the less likely of the two to move despite being a high commodity for the last two-plus seasons. He also says it's possible, another league source told Indy Star that Carlisle will split the starting bigs and have Turner come off the bench. So Fauci, which one of those two do you want to
2: start with? First, I just want to say, Alex, I thought I was crazy when I said there's something behind the Pacers front office not bringing up Malcolm Brogdon in those press conferences. It just felt like I don't know if they're so high on him compared to how high they were about a year ago. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Malcolm Brogdon fits much more teams' needs than I think the teams that need centers right now. There's just really not that much of a market right now for centers, and I just feel like Brogdon could slide into a handful of teams' So that's what I'll say there. I I do think that Brogdon could be moved at some point in terms of, you know, we've heard him complain about the last few coaches. uh, I mean, across, you know, even Milwaukee to here. um, And also the Pacers have made it known. They love Karis LeVert. So I get it, but I don't think the Pacers are really going to break up those bigs right now when you're not going to just make a trade to make a trade. Mm -hmm. And here's what I'll say. For those of you that haven't seen it, Rick Carlisle was down in Dallas working out with Miles Turner right now. And Miles Turner tweeted out saying that he's very excited to come back and have a bounce back year. I don't think he says that openly unless Carlisle's probably given him some type of assurance hey, we want to at least go into the season with this, or we don't have plans to do this right now. I mean, sure, look, could I be wrong? Yeah. But I, I think it was an encouraging sign. That Miles Turner is going to be on this roster to start the season.
1: Yeah. And so I guess you're wanting to talk more about the moves and in terms of more likely to be moved. And I think that you hit the nail on the head there. The center position is drying up quick. We've been we've been monitoring it since the draft week, and teams that didn't draft centers either sign guys for short-term deals or you know, or lower, lower paying deals than what Turner's making at 17 and a half, 18 million dollars this season. So For Turner, I I just think that a lot of teams view this Pacers team as, hey, they got to break the bigs up. We're not going to offer more than we need to to break them up because, you know, sure, they might have a nice asset, but, hey, you know, we're not going to give up a young player that they might want to get Miles because, you know, they're stuck with two centers. And I I think the Pacers really have put themselves in a bind, sort of say, because of the fact that they have – so many big guys on the roster, especially if you include Goga in the mix and what they believe he can become. So I just feel like from a fan perspective, if I was a team looking at the Pacers, I would say, well, Turner rumors are out every single year. So I I would say, I'm not going to give you, you know, a a fair trade. I'm going to try to basically give you four quarters for a dollar in terms of a trade, in terms of value for miles Turner, which is the Pacers aren't going to do that. So, They're going to ride this thing out, and if he gets traded at the deadline, we'll keep an eye on that there. But I'm intrigued by Brogdon being more likely to go because if you listen back to the draft podcast with Jonathan Gavoni, Mike Schmitz, and Zach Lowe, Gavoni brought up a Brogdon for Lonzo Ball Mm sign-and-trade. That didn't happen, obviously. Ball's in Chicago. But what he said after that is they fired the coach because they had locker room issues, but I don't think it stops at the coach. He mentioned that after mentioning that Brogdon could be involved in a silent trade. So I thought to myself, is he hinting at something here? Now that's just me, you know, looking into something and maybe hearing it, but that's how I took it. So if he was not trying to say that, then he worded it incorrectly, but he made it seem like Brogdon might be a part of locker room issues. I don't necessarily know if that's the truth or not. I have no inside sources, but that's, All that I'm saying, he said right after that.
2: And we've heard it a few times. We very much have. This is not, you know, brand new news. We've heard Brogdon clash with a few different coaches in the past, like I mentioned before. So I just think that we also heard Brogdon's name shopped around in Ben Simmons news, which we'll touch on later. So it just feels like there is a possibility that Brogdon could be moved. I know that there's a ton of teams that would be more than happy to acquire Malcolm Brogdon but when you're mentioning the center market drying up Alex I got Knicks fans in my DMs offering us literally pennies I'm talking Kevin Knox and a future first round pick that's protected top 18 protected from Charlotte because they just made the trade the Pacers are never going to do something like that they're not going to trade a player like Miles Turner for just anything just to be like oh yeah sure uh, We'll, we'll roll the dice on Kevin Knox and see if we could revive his career. No, a trade has to make sense. So that's why when teams know that we're we need to make a move, the Pacers aren't going to panic and just make a move just to bring back anyone you know into Indiana. It's got to make sense. And the offers out there, I believe, did not make sense at all.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. The only team that I really think could use a us center right now is the Toronto Raptors. They let Aaron Baines go, and now the only center that they really have on their roster is Chris Boucher, and he is very undersized. So if they don't plan on going about finding a center and plan on playing a small ball lineup with maybe Siakam at the five and then put Scotty Barnes at the four with O.G. Ananobi at the three, Gary Trent Jr. at the two, and Fred VanVleet at the one, like, yeah, that's kind of intriguing, to be honest with you. But that they give up a lot of size with that. So you'll have to keep an eye on that. I think they could be a team that – Makes a trade for a center. They've been shopping Pascal Siakam. It appears there was some rumors that the Blazers turned down a Siakam for CJ McCollum trade, which I found very interesting because I think those guys are pretty equal in terms of overall value. But I would say maybe with McCollum's shooting ability, that might have him just a couple of notches ahead of Siakam overall. But Siakam is still a really good player. So yeah, just a lot of interesting things there. But let's let's pivot here, Fauci, with this conversation. Let's talk about what I think is the most likely to happen out of these two. That is the idea of Miles Turner coming off the bench next season. This is a very controversial topic amongst Pacers fans. Um, nobody really knows where to stand on this. So I guess let me ask you, where do you stand on
2: it? Alex, people were making it seem like we insulted their mother on Twitter when it came to this. I mean, <laughs> they took it very personally, like, we do not deserve deserve Miles. Get him out of here. Like, he deserves better than this. Guys, I, I don't want to be public enemy number one, but if you're not going to break up the bigs, you have to be able to stagger their minutes. And is if it is it really going to come down to, hey, they're going to start, and then three to four minutes into the game we're going to yank Miles and, and – him on the bench. No, I mean, if it comes to the point where he's coming off the bench, I don't think it's the craziest idea in the world for a guy that realistically has not been an all-star, has not been an all-NBA player, has not been defensive player of the year, not an MVP. I mean, you're talking about a guy who is very good at what he does, but it's not the unthinkable to bring him off the bench when you're trying to make this this double big, you know, combination work. I mean, you're starting to run out of options here. And I, I think, Rick might've discussed something with Miles Turner about this. Who knows when they met today, but this is a guy that right now, I mean, you're talking about, Hey, look, we all love him, but this is a guy who's averages 12 and a half points per game, six and a half rebounds. I get it. He, He has, he sacrifices the most, but it's not that unheard of to bring that type of guy off the bench. When realistically there is no option of bringing Domas off the bench. If you try and bring Domas off the bench, He's going to be the next Pacer to request a trade out of here.
1: Yeah, and I think some fans might be okay with that if they're not big Sabonis fans, Um, which I I get it. If I'm Domas, he was tired of being a bench player. He asked to start a couple of years ago, and since he's been put into the starting lineup, he's gotten two all-stars. So I think that he was justified somewhat in asking to get a little bit bigger of a role. But if you look at every single player on this team, I feel like the guy that has sacrificed the most Year in and year out is Miles Turner. No doubt. And it, I think this report could be from an outside source. So it might not even be true. So we're just speculating here. Look, if you bring Miles Turner off the bench to split the double bigs up, it makes so much sense basketball wise. If Turner is okay with it and he accepts that role, I think fans should be okay with it. There's a way that you can maximize Turner as a player by bringing him off the bench and still playing him starter level minutes allowing him to not play so much with Domas where they clog the lane and you know they, they don't fit together perfectly on the defensive side of things. Look, I get it that Miles is a much better defender than Demonte Sabonis, but like you said, Fauci, he's got the all-star resume. It would be really hard to sell him and the fan base on benching Sabonis over Turner because of the, the defensive fit. So, yeah, I, I think it makes some sense, and if Miles is okay with it, it's fine. But I guess the big question is, if you're if you're Miles Turner's parents or you're part of his, you know, group of close friends and you see the Pacers constantly, you know, shopping you or, you know, teams constantly calling about you, you see how you've gone from the starting center to the backup center now, in a sense, don't you feel like your ego a little bit would be hit and your group of people that you're so close to would kind of be in your ear a little bit telling you like, hey you know, you need to get out of Indiana. They're not really maximizing your talent as a player.
2: That's very possible. I, I like to think that Miles has his head on his shoulders very well. I mean, just a guy that seems to be one of the nicest human beings that you'll come across. And I, but here's the thing. We're not messing with this money. He's not entering a contract year where this is really going to affect it. The Pacers gave him a solid deal at the time, 17 and a half million a couple of years ago, had him as one of the, you know, high, more higher paid centers. Um, he's got two years left on the deal. And if they want to continue to make this work, this feels like the step before giving up and making a trade for one of them, you know, trading off one of them. It just feels like this is that step to say, hey, we're going to try something different. Now, I don't want to take advantage of Miles' kindness. He is the longest tenured pacer. He has sacrificed a lot, but his money's guaranteed. I think at this point, it's like, a, hey, Miles, here's the option. You know, we want to keep you here. Would you be open to that? And if he's not open to it, then maybe a trade is more likely. But if he is, then I feel like it's just like, I don't know what we can do to thank him enough. But this double big lineup, it's not working. It's not. The spacing's not good. You're talking about before, I know like a lot of people are like, hey, you know, Miles is a three-point shooter. He can stretch the defense. The last two seasons, he's been at a combined 34% from three. I'm sorry, but that's not making anyone kind of, you yeah. know, quiver in their their Js, their their Nikes, whatever it is. They're, they're not going to be shaking. They need to switch something up. Maybe he can be more of a focal point with that second unit. But out, out there, it, there's been issues, and the Pacers want to take a step forward. Well, if you're going to run it back, you got to at least do something differently, scheme-wise at least. And I think that Rick Carlisle is someone that I would trust here. This isn't Bjorkren coming in here and being like, Miles, you're coming off the bench now. And it's like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, where, where's your credibility? You know, <laughs> Rick Carlisle, he has that. So for right now, I'm going to let Rick make these decisions. And if he thinks that Miles is better off the bench, I, I'm I want to experiment with that.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think you also have to look at how he played last year with the bench unit. He was actually pretty good. The numbers were really good for him with the solo miles minutes. I mean, we had the conversation two years ago about how good those solo Sabonis minutes were. And then last year we saw how good the solo miles minutes were, but when they played together, it just wasn't there. So I think the numbers, and if Rick is as analytical as people say he is, he sees the numbers and he realizes, Hey, I got to stagger these two guys. You know, it's, it's not like we're going to just sell miles in a sense in a trade, for less talent to make us worse. No, we're going to make it work if that's what we got. And if Miles is accepting of it, th- then do it. But you know, it, it, it puts a big question mark on who becomes the new starter for him. Then that's the biggest question mark I have because what are they going to do if you put Miles on the bench? If you start T.J. McConnell now, you don't have any point guards in your second unit
2: oh, guess, based on yes, how the so. roster's
1: built. You go Justin, but we saw what he did as a starter last year. I don't think he's built for that. I know. I maybe know. you go O'Shea, or maybe you just get crazy and say we need three point shooting and we need defense. I think Chris Duarte could be
2: that guy, Vlachy. I, I gotta see something first. I, like, like my my inner fan would be like, yes, unleash Duarte, like do it. But but I just I need to see something first. I know summer league might not be like the the tell-all, but I want to see him play well in Summer League. But here's the thing. If the Pacers really believe in him as much as we think, as much as Golden State believe them, then maybe there is a chance if you're going to bring Turner off the bench that he could start. But I don't think it would happen from day one. Well, here, I, I
1: here's what I'll tell you on Duarte. I was told that they never once considered Moses Moody over Duarte. Duarte was the guy – for the last several weeks. That was the guy they wanted and they got him. If they're this intrigued by him, Flacci, I get it. Starting him is a big thing. But if you're gonna put Turner to the bench, you draft this guy 13th overall to so eventually hopefully become that starter. And if he is anything close to what Jay Billis said, calling him a poor man's clay Thompson, put that man in the starting lineup let him kill teams on the offensive end with stretching the floor, because if you substitute a 34%, 35% three-point shooter in miles, and hopefully you can put a guy like Duarte who shot 40% in college last year out there as, as well as perimeter defense, that to me is more intriguing.
2: I mean, I'm, I'm very intrigued by that. I'll take a poor man's clay Thompson any day shaking a cup in any, whatever you got to do. I feel like I like that because Clay Thompson is obviously one of the elite shooters of all time. Um, that would be great. We know that Rick has have ha, he has a history of not playing rookie. So I think it could be a lot to ask him to start Duarte, but you know, at the same point, I mean, maybe it is Justin to start the season. Maybe it's O'Shea. I don't know. I mean, I'm very excited of O'Shea taking a step forward this year. I am, but there's a lot of questions we'll, we'll need to have answered. I think, to start the year, though, I imagine Miles is in the starting lineup, and it's something where if things need to be shaken up a bit, that's the type of shakeup we might see.
1: Yeah, well, let me ask you this because I, I was thinking about it. Can you imagine putting a guy on a non-guaranteed contract in the starting lineup and moving a 17 and a half or $18 million contract to the bench? Full move. What, what, kind that of, <laughs> what kind of signals are you sending? Like, Oh, yeah. You know, Maybe if you put a veteran in there like Justin Holiday, then it could be justifiable because, hey, you know, Miles has clearly seen the hard work Justin puts in. So, hey, there's that. But also think about it this way. Miles Turner came off the bench for a while before he was inserted into the starting lineup when he was a rookie, and -hmm. it really helped him develop and grow quicker. I think if the Pacers are smart, they look at how good Duarte can fit with this group because I don't think he's a guy that needs the ball but he definitely can help spread the floor, especially when you have guys like Lavert and Warren out there. We know Brogdon's a three-point shooter. If you can have Brogdon and Duarte sitting on the wing while you're running dribble handoff kind of offense or different things they could do with Lavert and with Warren kind of being the primary ball handler, Duarte running off screens, you know, kind of using, that, using him in a sense as a McDermott type of guy, that could make some sense as well. But one name that I didn't bring up in this
2: starting five possibility, what about a defender like Torrey Craig? The Pacers have to have a plan for Torrey Craig. They signed him too quickly and to not at the minimum deal to not have a plan for him. Uh, I, I think being a starter that quickly, I think it would surprise some people. Uh, my gut right now says Justin Holiday, just because he started so many games last year, and I believe he played in all seventy-two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think He's he played in
1: all games the last. I years. mean, the, the man's a back. trooper.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, but my my mind immediately went to some cheesy headline of him being in the starting lineup hitting a big shot it says justified the second you said the justifiable that came in my head so i I, look i don't know if it's going to be a a game-winning shot anytime soon for us but i could see him being in the starting lineup as they try and you know continue that uh we're trying to adopt a defensive identity type of thing but Toy Craig, hey, you know, it would be interesting. I just don't know if he'd be a starter unless you're going to put him in one of those roles where, like, the Knicks had, like, Alfred Payton starting, but he would not play the majority of minutes. Like, it was like he was the starter, and then he was the first guy to come, you know, come out of the game. So, you know, maybe something like that. I don't know how many minutes they plan on for Toy Craig, but I think – Part of that is also going to have to do with uh, how you clean up this rotation a bit because he's never been a guy to really play more than 20 minutes per game. So it's going to be interesting. I see him probably playing right around like 15 or so minutes for the Pacers. But, uh, you know, we'll see there. My gut leans, Justin, if we make an adjustment in the starting lineup.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting conversation. I think we should keep an eye on it. Obviously, we won't know more about it until training camp. And get to hear Rick talk about his lineups. But you know, I'm I'm fascinated by it. I think it makes some sense to put Goga as the third string center, and then maybe you slide Isaiah Jackson to the third string power forward, and then you figure out a way to play TJ mostly at the four. Because look, that's what J. Michael did report. He said the Pacers want to play TJ Warren a lot of minutes at the four. So this could be a way they go about it. You have O'Shea Brissett as his backup, then you could figure out a way to slide somebody in there at that three spot. If it is Justin Holliday, then you can have Torrey Craig be his backup and split those 48 minutes pretty evenly between those two. I think that's pretty fair. I, it really comes down to whether Duarte or Sumner gets the backup two spot uh, behind Karis Laverta. I'm, I'm going to lean Duarte. I would hope it's Duarte over Edmund Sumner, but you never know. I, I think that that's going to be a position battle in training camp, and we know how Sumner does when his back's against the wall and he's got to prove himself, but – uh Duarte man Bob Kravitz put out an excellent article Mm -hmm. in the athletic talking about his journey getting here and I and I put a quote out there basically talking about no food no house no clothes just trying to make it to live the American dream so pretty fascinating and great story by Bob Kravitz on that but Bocci let's take a quick break when we come back we're going to talk about the latest Ben Simmons buzz and how Philadelphia has been extremely quiet this offseason we'll be right back after this All right, so we want to talk a little bit about Ben Simmons only because his name was attached to the Pacers earlier with a Malcolm Brogdon trade, and there's been some rumblings that Joel Embiid has reached out several times and no answer from Ben Simmons. It it appears that Ben Simmons has cut communications with basically everyone on the 76ers. He is open to joining the Warriors per Jay Dumas reports on Twitter. This is the same guy that had the Pacers offer Brogdon plus a pick for Ben Simmons earlier. He also went on to say that um, Ben Simmons sees Toronto and Portland, among other teams, as bad situations that he isn't going into. Simmons is open to the California teams. So, interesting stuff here on Ben Simmons. Facha, are you still intrigued by a Ben Simmons trade?
2: Uh, I'm really not. I'm going to be honest. Look, like Ben Simmons has a lot of potential what the 76ers are asking for is absolutely insane. I just feel like where do you think you're getting like four first round picks, pick swaps, and a young promising player from? If you're going to do that with the Pacers, I mean, there's, there's no justification that we're going to be able to win a title, you know, following a trade like this. I mean, it would, it would cost the Pacers a lot, a lot. I mean, you would have to imagine probably Brogdon you know, Chris Duarte, um, numerous picks. Uh, you got to make the salary work. So I imagine Turner's probably in there unless you're going to, you know, have it be like Lamb and and uh, uh, another piece. Maybe it's Justin Holiday, But it's just they have to lower their asking price. The fact that Ben Simmons has cut off communication and now we're starting to hear a report, and I, I laughed at this, it said Sixers might be open to bringing Ben Simmons back. It's like, well, which one is it? Are you open to bringing them back or or are you asking for the farm because no one's going to pay that price. So you better be more than happy to bring them back because who's going to match that offer. And when you say, oh, he's open to playing with the Warriors. I I think pretty much almost every player is, Um, but it's just, even for Golden state, I mean, a package, what would that have to be? Wiggins, Moody, Kaminga, a few picks. I mean, even that sounds like a lot, but uh, I guess at that point, I mean, Sure, he's, he's a special talent. He's got to take another step forward. But what is – where do you draw the line on what to give up for Ben Simmons?
1: Oh, man, that's a good question. I am I mean, honestly, I know I got ripped for it last week, and I'm okay with that. I, I basically just said I'm talking myself into the idea of DeMontis Sabonis and Ben Simmons, and people are like, Turner and Simmons, Turner and Simmons, Turner and Simmons. Look, the Pacers to me – would be more willing to give up Turner than Sabonis. That's all I'm going to say. Of course. I I think that that's why his name has been shocked. That's why he is the guy that we just talked about, could be going to the bench. I think they view Sabonis as a building block for this team. However, I don't think they should build the team around Sabonis because I don't think he's good enough to build a team around. I think that really if you bring Ben Simmons in here with Sabonis, while they do have conflicting – Uh, conflicting characteristics into their game a little bit, what they do can be kind of similar. I just think that they can figure it out. I think that's what the Pacers believe in. I think that Rick Carlisle would be the best coach that Ben Simmons has ever had. So yeah, the 76ers, they want to, they want an all-star. That's what they want. That's what's been reported out there. So the Pacers would have to give up Sabonis because he's the only guy on their roster that has been an all-star. However, the Pacers, in my opinion, aren't going to do that and that's why I think you're hearing conflicting reports on what the 76ers want to do because they're just unsure. Uh, they're unsure because they don't want to sell low on Simmons. But if Simmons doesn't report to training camp, this thing could get ugly. He could force his way out. I know he's got four years left, but there's a lot of things Simmons could do. I don't think he won't report to training camp because he no. wants to get paid and all that. But I can see where this gets ugly very quick. And quite frankly, if, if he's open to joining the the California teams – Why aren't the Kings calling? You know, they could offer some stuff up. But in in terms of Golden State, I just don't see what's really attractive there. I mean, James Wiseman, a young center. Moses Moody, sure, he might be a good shooter for him. But Andrew Wiggins, I mean, they need a point guard. That's the thing. That's why Indiana makes a ton of sense with Brogdon, because they get a point guard that can shoot the ball. But I think Brogdon would be a great fit next to Ben Simmons as well. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what I would do, but I think I would look at it long and hard if you're on, if you're afraid that you might not be able to bring TJ Warren back, would you be willing to give up TJ Warren and Brogdon for Ben Simmons? It really hurts your shooting and your playmaking, I think, in terms of guys that can, you know, create off the dribble and shoot. So it's there's a lot of question marks here, Fachi for me. But I, I think Ben Simmons would be the best talent on this roster if he was acquired. And I think at this point, if you're an Indiana Pacers team that has a hard time getting players to come here via free agency. You got to make trades for them. We I put a tweet out the other day. I said, "When's the last time the Pacers have made a you know a blockbuster or a significant trade where their backs haven't been up against the wall, basically in terms of injuries or a guy asking out?" I, I really can't remember it. Maybe somebody brought up the Artest deal with the Bulls, but was it really a blockbuster deal at that time? I don't necessarily think it was. Um, the the J O for uh, the Dale Davis for J O trade was a big one. But there's rumors that J.O. or Dale wanted out as well. So I just, I'm just thinking the Pacers have always been kind of a reactive team and not a proactive team. Being proactive and going out and getting Ben Simmons, who's got four years left on his deal, that to me is a move that they have never made, really, that I can remember in franchise history. And I think it could really change the trajectory of this franchise.
2: Oh, without a doubt. The Pacers have really not taken those big risks in the past. And, When you trade for a guy like Ben Simmons, who's owed, you know, over $140 million moving forward, and, you know, the knock on him has been that he really has not improved his shooting. I mean, there's no guarantee that he will. I mean, he's so young that it's like, just like you mentioned, the the ability to acquire a number one pick outside of Anthony Bennett or Markel Fultz does not come around often. It really does not. I mean, this is a guy that is maybe even – a mid range jump shot away from being lethal in -hmm. this league. I mean, he just, we're not even asking about adding a three point shot. It's, can you give us a a 10 foot shot, you know, consistently. Um, And I just think that at some point he can add that to his game, but the Pacers are not ones to take the all in risk at this point and trade a guy like Sabonis, who you have under contract for a few years and then, you know, add in, you know, whether it's Malcolm Brogdon or add in a TJ Warren who, you know, all signs point to wants to be here and re-up on another deal plus picks. It's a bold move because then at that point, you know, you have a bunch of guys that are coming up under contract in about two years. If it doesn't work out and you just have Simmons left, I mean, you you have to continue a path of kind of being all in. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a scary move for the front office. And I, I think it's one where we're just unfortunately – not the team to push all the chips all in. But why not? I, I, I get it. I mean, it's it's a valid question. I think if we were a little bit closer uh, to winning I mean, winning seriously, then yeah, maybe. But right now, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not I think that Ben Simmons is in not the most trustworthy spot. His own coach, Doc Rivers, threw him under the bus towards the end of the season, and I think that he was probably pretty hurt by that. So did, ben, um, so did Joel Embiid. Everybody did. I, I understand why he cut off communications, but it's how do you respond from that? I don't think he's responding well.
1: No, you're uh, right. You're right.
2: It's like you, you would want him to – I haven't really heard him come out there saying, you're going to see a player next year that's you know two to three times better. I've been working on this. It's like, uh, no, no one really knows. I mean – I don't know what he's been working on. The fact that he's, you know, distancing himself from teammates, that's not a good sign. Uh, There's just no guarantee if we push the chips all in that Ben Simmons wants to continue to put in 10 times more work than he was before and, you know, going to make us, uh, you know, going to reward us for making that trade. If it goes south, he's still getting his money. And I just I want someone to be a little bit hungrier.
1: Yeah, I get that. I get it. But but here's what I'll say, Fachi, just to kind of wrap this conversation up. Ben Simmons is a guy that if you get him on this team and he plays well and then you realize, hey, we could flip him for something later, that, to me, long-term is better. You could flip Ben Simmons once he's on your team later. Look at, think about it this way. Think if things get so ugly with Philadelphia, they have to move him for pennies on the dollar, okay? So we're able to maybe send Brogdon, Lamb, Goga, and Picks, for Ben Simmons. Not saying that's what's going to get it done, but just follow along with me here for a second. Okay. They make a trade that, you know, we're like, wow, that's really underselling Ben Simmons, but you get Ben Simmons, and now all of a sudden your team might not look the greatest, but what if Dame Lillard requests a trade four months later? Now you have somebody to trade for Dame Lillard. I get it. It's not ideal if you just trade for somebody, then trade them again. But if Dame Lillard's a better fit and you weren't able to get him with what you had, maybe you could get him with Ben Simmons. You see, you see what I'm saying here?
2: I, I see it, but I, I think there's a big problem if you're going to push all your chips all and trade a lot for a guy, that then you're going to turn around and trade again. But that is, Brogdon,
1: is Brogdon, Lamb and Goga plus picks throwing all the chips in? I don't That's think That's not it.
2: That's definitely not all. Is it. Brogdon
1: and Turner and Goga or Brogdon and Turner and something plus picks throwing all the
2: chips in? No, I don't if, think that if, is either. If we can get that deal done, Sure. Well, what I'm hesitant is when we're talking like Sabonis, Brogdon, and picks, it's like, ah, uh, and then we're gonna have well, a team. I have mean, even if you Simmons and Turner, it's like, where, where is that in the East? Well, I I,
1: I mean, Warren. I think that team could be fine, but what I'm saying is people that say, Oh, trade, so, trade Sabonis and Brogdon for Simmons. Well, I said this last time we talked about this. 76ers say no, they don't want they don't want uh Domas Sabonis. They, they, he doesn't make any sense in Philadelphia. I so it would have to be a three-team deal, but it looks like Portland's not budging right now because I think yeah. they want to see what this looks like under Chauncey. So that's all I'm saying in terms of hypothetical trade talk. Turner makes more sense because, one, if he's able to come off the bench in Indiana, he's more than happy to come off the bench in Philadelphia. Just telling you right now, he's better than Andre Drummond, and he can block shots. I think he'd be some actually nice – he could probably play somewhat next to uh, Joel Embiid a little bit, I think. I think he's good defensively on the perimeter at points. And imagine those two guys protecting the rim. I think that that would be more enticing than than plugging Sabonis in because Sabonis, I feel like you know, he would clog it a little bit in terms of efficiency and how they would want to run their offense. And, and Sabonis would not be happy to play second fiddle to no, not Joel Embiid. So I, I that to me is a deal. Like the Pacers aren't doing that. They'd be more opt, they'd be more apt to give up TJ Warren or Kara Silvert, in my opinion. To give Ben Simmons, but I don't necessarily think that they want to get rid of those core three that we think is the, the building blocks for this team, because even in Jay Michael's reporting, he talked about it, Brogdon more likely to go than miles, never said Levert, never said Sabonis, never said Warren. So, so to me, if Ben Simmons becomes available and his value gets diminished somewhat, then you got to act on it. I'm willing to get you know, move on from picks because most of the time the Pacers picks have not translated into great players. So I'm okay if they move on from these picks because you're going all in winning for the next four years with Rick Carlisle. And that's all I'm saying. If you can get Ben Simmons, all of a sudden Dame Lillard becomes available. Boom. Now you can trade Simmons, you know, plus, you know, whatever, but you might not have the picks. So that could be what puts you in a bind. But, you know, if Dame wants out, you know, who, who knows what happens, but I think Ben Simmons at, what is he, 24 years old right now, 25 years old?
2: Yeah, I think he's 24.
1: Yeah, super young guy, great defender, good playmaker, good at getting to the basket. He's just got to find that confidence and figure out a way to tweak his shot. I know it's a broken record at this point. There's obviously some holes to his game and holes to how he fits in here with Sabonis. I get all that.
2: But if you're the Pacers, you have to figure out a way to make it work someone has got to get me out of this dream of Alex's because this man is dreaming right now of trading for Simmons and then flipping him for Damian Lillard. I mean, (laughs) that is some positivity right there. Hey, I'm I'm, I'm
1: being optimistic, Flash.
2: Exactly. Hey, a man can dream. I won't take that from you. But for (laughs) right now, I just think that the asking price is so insane that the longer this drags on, I I think we're going to see four picks and pick swaps turn into just four picks. Then I think it's going to turn into maybe two firsts, uh, uh, you know, maybe an all-star and maybe some swaps. And then that could end up just being two picks and a player. So, you know, I think we're going to see this trade kind of dwindle and dwindle down. And I think that the best part to do this is probably going to be, you know, revisiting this maybe mid-year if things are going south in Philly, because they have a lot of repairing to do. and, And I think that right now it's only smart to know, hey, they probably want to move on from Simmons, but they still want to maintain that his value is as high as it's been when we all know it's not.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, clearly Ben Simmons is very frustrated with how things were handled after their playoff exit to the Atlanta Hawks. And, sure, he was really struggling there. They did the hack of Simmons. He couldn't hit his three throws. He was so afraid of getting fouled that he passed the ball up on a wide open dunk. There's some. Bad. there That's are bad. some big question marks there, but I think still if you look at his overall talent he is worth the money he's worth the investment. If I'm the Pacers I would do it and make it work and figure it out. I think with Rick Carlisle, if you're gonna bench Miles Turner, I think you can figure ways to be innovative with a roster that has good players not great and put Ben Simmons in the mix. I mean some might call Ben Simmons a great player. I think he's good and he's got the got the skills to be great but he's not there yet.
2: That's but def- where I am with him. But
1: but defensively, I think that he could fit really nice as a bonus, Of course. Because of his ability to switch on to smaller guys. I mean, look at him. He was guarding like Trey Young in the playoffs, and he's like six foot ten guarding a guy that small and really created some problems for Trey Young. But I think he can also guard bigger guys too. I mean, he would probably be our best matchup to put on Giannis Santa if we were to play the Bucks in the playoffs. Right now, if you look at this Pacers roster, There's you're, no telling, one. you're telling me it's Torrey Craig, no. Turner, or T.J. Warren. Uh, Nobody has a chance. I no think one. Ben Simmons does have a chance to be able to guard that guy. And so does Pascal Siakam, a guy that's name has been floating around too, and a guy that I'd be intrigued by as well. So those are the two guys I'm looking at in terms of guys that I would be interested in trading for. But right now, I just, I said it before, th- this team is probably not going to make a trade until the deadline.
2: I don't think they – I completely agree. I think the best bet is probably if they can't move Lamb, they either stretch him or you wait until later in the season. But I don't think they're going to make a major move in terms of trading Turner or Brogdon this offseason. Now, I mean, while I nitpicked Ben Simmons' game, let's also address that this is a guy that is a borderline defensive player of the year or a future defensive player of the year. I mean, he finished – I want to say it was second – in the league this year, I think it was in Defensive Player of the Year. Um, or if not, I know that he was very much in that top two for a large part of the year. Uh, then just in, what was reported that the Toronto Raptors signed yeah. by Ken Kim Birch. Tim Birch.
1: Kim Birch.
2: Uh, I mean, uh, hey, there goes our turn
1: into Toronto. And, and idea. <laughs>
2: Toronto is out of the center market. I'm telling you, Miles uh, is not going anywhere anytime soon. There is yeah, no well, I agree one with that. available. I mean, just truly, and I know he's not a senator more power forward, but you're even hearing that Charlotte is gearing up to put an offer sheet out for Lloyd Marketing. So, I mean, that's just going to be another big they're going to throw into the mix. So and th- there's really nowhere to go right now. There's no point into just trying to force a trade just to do it. So we're, we're just out of luck right now. and th- We're bringing back the double bigs. That's what it seems.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. And I think uh, if you're interested, Dime Magazine just put this out. I know you were talking about it, I mean, before we got on the air Miles Turner did discuss uh, how he went through a rough time during his surgery last year. Mm-hmm. And a lot of fa- Pacer fans were wondering, would this be his last time in a Pacers uniform? So he did do a shout out on him. I believe it was his Instagram story. So if you're listening to this, it should still be up. It was about 24 hours long and uh, they did, they posted it two hours ago and it was only at 17 minutes up. So you should have at least 20 hours to go back and watch it. But if not at dime up rocks did share what he said. So, you know, really, really heartbreaking to see Miles go through some struggles during that surgery mentally. And, uh, you know, whether I think he's the best foot on the court or not, I, I still will root for him because he's an Indiana Pacer player. And I, I want him to do nothing but succeed in the NBA. And I want him to have a great life. I, I don't wish any ill feelings towards him.
2: Really good player on the court. Great human being off the court. Sad to, you know, take a peek behind the scenes and know that, you know, he really went through a a dark stretch, which you mentioned, and gained 20 pounds, really said that he was kind of, you know, drinking more than than usual and just kind of had a bad diet. And I think he was in a slump knowing that wasn't coming back, was going to miss out on that million dollar incentive for not making all NBA team or defensive player of the year. And just really, I felt like, the fact that he was unable to be out there with his teammates to finish the season after when he put together really one of his better, if not best seasons, you know, it probably really did affect him. And mental health, it's nothing to take lightly. So I'm glad that Turner is in a better spot now. I mean, he he put up a before and after picture. He looks really healthy. He's been working out in Dallas with Julius Randle, a guy that's coming off of a career year. I mean, it sounds like he's putting in the work. He's gearing up to make this season. Potentially, his best.
1: Yeah, you're you're right about that. So, I uh, I wish nothing but the best for Miles. I really do, and I know that we have we're we're Sabonis fans. I get it, and and we let it show here on the podcast. We're not trying to hide it. But I think at the end of the day, no matter who's on this roster, we're just Pacer fans. At the end of the day, we want to see this team succeed. And if Miles Turner is a part of that, then we're going to root for him. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's a great human being, like you said clearly shows how much he loves this team by the sacrifices that he's made year in and year out. So I hope he, you know, I'm glad to see that he's getting back to him, his normal self, lost 21 pounds. Really, really cool to see that, you know, he has overcome this and he's sticking to it. So just hope that this doesn't happen again and that he's able to build from this and just continue to grow as a player and as a human being on and off the court.
2: Couldn't say it any better myself. Just, hey, I'm just happy that he's in a, in a good spot right now. I mean, sometimes when you take the game away from someone, that they could feel a bit helpless, and uh, you never want anyone to go through that. So glad that Miles is in a better spot, and uh, I'm just very excited to see him and the rest of the crew out there on the court. Summer League game starting up real soon. Yep. Sunday. Uh, I, can, I cannot wait to see the youngins out there. Uh, just mm-hmm. battling and just being able to build off of, um, you know, for some guys like O'Shea Brissett, who's playing in there. Uh, I'm excited to see him. Then also Isaiah Jackson, Chris Duarte. I mean, that's that's really what I'm going to be at the edge of my seat. Just any p- little positive thing they do, I know I'm going to be as proud as
1: can be. Got a fun week coming up. Summer League starts. We've got the documentary coming out on the Brawl next Tuesday on Netflix. And then we have J. Michael coming on the podcast next week as well. So stay tuned, everybody. If you haven't already, give us a rating and review. Let us know what you think of the show. Appreciate all the love and response we've gotten. Focci, where can the people find us at on social media?
2: So you can find us on Twitter at setting the Pace 3 You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenMBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. And you can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk.
1: And at the end of the day, if you're still hoping Jeremy Lamb gets traded by the beginning of the season like Focci has been, Say these two words. Let's go Pacers!
0: Well you gotta setting the pace and I think that's terrific. The setting the pace podcast had Kevin Pritchard on.